You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. In this episode, Brennan and I are going to go through short-term rental and real estate professional, also known as reps, myths. Uh, these are two of the most lucrative tax strategies out there currently for real estate investors, and we can't harp on it enough. We do have a series on both of these strategies on the podcast already. They're titled Reps and short-term rental, STR. So if you want to check those out, just go through the podcast feed, look for episodes that say reps or STR, and you can check those out. Now, the good news is we are conducting a tax smart bootcamp uh, that is launching on June 6th, where we're going to go in-depth and cover both reps and short-term rentals very thoroughly through the bootcamp. So you're going to come out of the bootcamp understanding what these strategies are, how they work, what to avoid, what to do, what not to do, and also how to protect yourself in the event of an audit. But we're also going to go through some of the tax basics in that bootcamp as well, including how to use passive losses, how to optimize your tax position using IRS safe harbors, audit defense, how to pay your children, exit strategies, current updates and things you want to look out for that might be uh, brewing in the tax landscape. All that is going to be covered in the bootcamp. We're also going to have four live Q&As held on Thursdays with myself at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So you come into those sessions, get all your questions answered, really make sure that you have a full understanding of these strategies and how to apply them to your situation. So you can register for the bootcamp by going to www.courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. Again, it's www.courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. We'll drop that in the description to this episode. And you're going to want to use the code early, okay? Just early, like early to rise, early to bed, whatever. Early is going to be the code. That's going to be able to get you 60% off of the course. So go ahead, courses.taxmartinvestors.com. Use the code early and you register for the bootcamp if that's something you are interested in. So let's just start with short-term rentals. Why not? Short-term rental mistakes, myths, things that short-term rental investors who are trying to use a short-term rental loophole need to watch out for. Yeah. And uh, just apologize. I'm not on my fancy mic today. I'm mobile. So, uh, so you get my laptop embedded mic. Hopefully it's okay. Uh, so short-term rentals. So I think first it's important to explain the passive activity loss rules, just the, you know, the three minute version, just so that we have like a foundational understanding of why the short-term rental loophole is a big deal at all. So in 1986, Congress implemented the passive activity loss rules. And the whole purpose of these rules was to stop rich people that were earning a lot of money from investing in real estate and using the rental losses to offset their regular income. So before 1986, you could be a physician earning a million bucks a year, invest in rental real estate, use the rental losses from that rental real estate to offset or completely eliminate your physician W-2 income. So the passive activity loss rules were implemented to basically stop that. So what they say is any rental property, any rental activity is passive unless you qualify as a real estate professional and any trade or business in which you do not materially participate in is also passive. So those are the two rules with the passive activity loss rules. And these are found in section 469 of the Internal Revenue Code. 
So the idea here is that if you have a passive activity and that passive activity creates a loss, that loss is going to be considered a passive loss. But all of your other income, your W-2 income, business income, where you materially participate, stock sale, interest, dividends, all of that is going to be considered non-passive income. So effectively, these 1986 rules created two buckets of income. They created the passive income bucket and the non-passive income bucket. And as a result, any loss from a passive activity, which all rentals are passive, any loss from a passive activity, it can only offset passive income or gain on sale from a passive activity. And then any remaining loss just gets suspended and carried forward. So these rules basically blocked that remaining loss from offsetting W-2 income, interest income, dividend income, and all that other type of income that you would normally get. So instead of being able to offset that income, you have to just suspend those passive losses and carry them forward. So that's what the rules did. And then in 1993 or 94, maybe 92, they implemented real estate professional status to be an exception to these rules for people that were full-time in real estate. So again, the passive activity loss rules say all rental activities are passive unless you qualify as a real estate professional, right? And that's what that is. Real estate professional status was implemented so that if I'm a developer or a real estate agent, you know, I'm in the business full time. I am a real estate professional. Now I just have to show that I've materially participated in the rental activity because that is always the second piece of the passive activity loss rules. First piece is all rentals are passive unless we qualify as a real estate professional. But the second piece is any trade or business that I do not materially participate in is passive. So a mistake that we see honestly too often from our clients even is, you know, I'll be a full time real estate professional via just being a full-time real estate agent. So I am a real estate professional. I meet the two tests, which are 750 hours in real property trades or businesses and more time in real estate than anywhere else. So those are the two tests to qualify as a real estate professional. So I meet those two tests if I'm a real estate agent full-time, a real estate broker full-time, or a developer, builder full-time, property manager full-time. I'm a real estate professional, but I always have to remember the second piece of the passive activity loss rules, material participation, in my real property trades or businesses. So I could be a full-time broker and I can have rental properties and not participate in the rental properties. And even though I'm a full-time broker, even though I'm a real estate professional, because I'm a full-time broker, my rental properties are still passive because I didn't materially participate in them. So the whole premise here is we have passive activity losses, uh, thanks to these 1986 rules that get trapped. They get suspended and carried forward if these passive activity losses exceed any sort of passive income. One way around that is to qualify as a real estate professional and materially participate in my rental activities, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. But another way to avoid these rules is the short-term rental loophole, which Tom alluded to a few minutes ago. Right. And with the short-term rental loophole, if you want to qualify for that, the way that's going to work is you need to have an average stay of seven days or less or 30 days or less if you provide substantial services. And those are hotel-like services. So if you meet one of those requirements, then it's not considered a rental activity. And your short-term rental is not a rental activity for the purpose of the passive activity loss rules, which means that it's effectively treated like any other business and you don't need to qualify as real estate professional you skip right ahead to the material participation rules and if you meet one of the material participation tests then your losses from your short-term rental will be non-passive so again seven days or less average stay and you materially participate and you bypassed the passive activity rules all that 100% legal, all in the tax code, very clear and very clean cut at this point. So 
those are the two most lucrative strategies because they're going to allow you to take the losses from your rental activities and use them to offset your income from other sources like a W-2 job or an active trader business that you're running that's not a real estate trader business, of course. And we we dive into all this in the boot camp that we mentioned at the beginning. So if you're like, if you're like, well, I don't even understand what they're saying right now, purchase the boot camp. We walk through it very step by step. But I do want to back up a little bit because what Tom just said was very advanced. And so I kind of want to break it down a little bit more. Uh, you did a great job. I just, uh, I think if somebody's listening to this for the first time, they're probably like, what the heck did he just say? Um, so, so here's the thing, right? Like if I have a rental property, a long-term rental, I have to be a real estate professional and materially participate in that rental activity, which typically means I can't have a property manager uh, in order to make that a non-passive activity. And I typically want to make my rentals non-passive activities because most rentals are going to generate tax losses, not an operating loss, a tax loss. Why? Because of depreciation, right? So I can have operating income, meaning cold, hard cash actually hit my pocket, but then I get to deduct depreciation expense, which is a non-cash expense. It's just meant to track the deterioration of your asset over time. And because I get to deduct that, now I have a tax loss that I can tell the IRS about, right? So I can buy a rental property and show a $10,000 tax loss every single year, thanks to depreciation and, and how my property performs. But the question is, can I claim that $10,000 tax loss? The passive activity loss rules say, no, you can't, unless you are a real estate professional and materially participate in the activity. So then we go, well, what, what is a real estate professional? A real estate professional, like I mentioned earlier, is 750 hours spent in real property trades or businesses and more time spent in real property trades or businesses than anywhere else. Well, if I work a full-time job, I can't meet that second piece, right? I have to spend more time in real estate than I do anywhere else. So if I'm working 2000 hours at my W2 job, then this rule says that I have to spend an additional 2001 hours in real estate and the tax court's not going to buy it. Neither will the IRS. So that creates a problem. I can buy all of this rental real estate while I have a full-time job, or in my particular case, I'm running this CPA firm full-time. I can buy all of this real estate, but all of my real estate is going to be passive. So even if I work a ton in my real estate, it's still going to be passive. One potential idea is that you know my spouse could go qualify as a real estate professional. And then on our joint tax return, we are considered real estate professionals, but that's a different story. We talk about that in the boot camp as well. But my problem is, one, I'm working full-time at the CPA firm. I'm buying all this rental property. I would love to be able to take the losses to offset my CPA firm income that comes from my rental property, but I can't because I'm not a real estate professional. I can't qualify as a real estate professional because I can't spend more time in real estate than I do at the CPA firm. So what Tom just talked about, though, was the definition of a rental activity because the passive activity loss rules say all rental activities are passive unless you qualify as a real estate professional. Well, then begs the question of what is the definition of a rental activity? And the treasury regulations to section 469 say that a rental activity is not a property that you rent seven days or less on average to customers. Well, what is that? That's most Airbnbs and VRBO properties, right? Short-term rentals. So if I have a short-term rental, 
then I do not have a rental activity, presuming I meet that definition that I just mentioned. I don't have a rental activity. Therefore, when I look at the passive activity loss rules, then it says all rental activities are passive unless you qualify as a real estate professional because I don't have a rental activity. I don't have to worry about qualifying as a real estate professional. I still have to worry about material participation and there's seven tests to material participation. And again, we go over all this stuff in the bootcamp and we break it down step-by-step, step, give you strategies and how you can do it. There's seven steps of material participation. I only have to hit one of those tests. And if I can hit one of those tests for material participation, then my short-term rental activity will be considered non-passive. Remember, there's two buckets of income, passive income, non-passive income. What else is in non-passive income? My W-2 income, my CPA firm net income. So if I can move my short-term rental, to the non-passive bucket, and then my short-term rental creates a tax loss, that tax loss can offset my W-2 income, my CPA firm income, all of my other non-passive income without having to qualify as a real estate professional, all because of that definition of a rental activity. So we break all this down in the boot camp. Uh, and Tom, I'd love for you to like tell everybody where to find that again here in a second, but we break all that down to the boot camp. We also talk about what hours count and don't count. Big point of contention among CPA firms. Frankly, not really sure why. We fully cite everything. We give you all of our tax court cases that back up everything that we're saying about what hours count and don't count. Because here's the problem. We've helped with real estate professional status audits ever since I, I wrote this big guide back in 2020 about qualifying as real estate professional. And everybody loses their audit. Not everybody. 95% of the people, I should say, that come to us lose their audits because they track time that does not count for material participation or for real estate professional status. So it's really important that you understand what time counts and what time doesn't count. But it's also important that you have citations for what time counts and what time doesn't count. We give all of that to you in the bootcamp. Right, right. It's pretty much an A to Z guide on everything you need to know to implement these strategies and have productive conversations with your CPAs or advisors to make sure you can really capture the benefits. And again, if you want to register for the bootcamp, go to courses.taxmoreinvestors.com and use the code early to get 60% off the bootcamp. We will be launching June 6th. And I believe we're going to release some of the modules the Saturday before June 6th is a Monday, if I'm not mistaken. And then we're going to have our first live Q&A that Thursday at 7.30 p.m. where you can come to the live Q&A and ask your questions and you know get clarity on anything that you're not understanding or anything as it relates to your specific situation that we can answer on that type of Q&A. We're going to answer there for you. So again, that's courses.taxsmartinvestors.com. All right. So before we wrap up, if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. Brennan has a Twitter at CPA, where he's going to be telling you and, and posting tweets about how to build a business in a CPA firm. So if you're interested in checking that out, follow Brennan on Twitter at CPA. I also have a, a Twitter I started at Tom's Caselli underscore, where I'm going to be posting about wealth building strategies and tax reducing strategies for real estate investors and anything related to that. I'm going to be posting about there again. That's at Thomas Castelli underscore on Twitter. We'll catch you there and we'll catch you on the next episode of Tax Smart REI. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, 
you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.